You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, on the line, we have Gary Boyson, Portfolio Manager at Rand Swiss. Gary, good evening. Yeah, good evening. Thanks for having me on the show, Thank you very much. Uh, is it fair to call you a Portfolio Manager? Are you not also the founder and CEO? <laughs> yeah, we don't see the title. Portfolio Manager and Director is All right, fair enough. And then the man, the myth, the legend, the finance ghost uh, of thefinanceghost.com. Uh, as well as the managing yes. editor of Insconet. Good evening to you, Mr. Ghosty. I'm not really too sure what to evening, call you, so I'm, I'm just going to call you Ghosty, if evening, that's okay. Well, ghosty, Ghosty, fine, we'll go with Ghosty. All right, evening. okay. So it's been an interesting day, guys. We had uh, a couple of, well, obviously the market's uh, been under a little bit of pressure uh, since the FOMC last night. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about as well, right? So obviously FOMC, I think we, we can chat to Gary about that in a second. But I think starting with, uh, uh, with you, Ghosty, um, there were some impactful investments uh, in South Africa. Impact has basically made uh, uh, a couple of investment decisions. Can you maybe take us through what their, their latest sort of uh, release was about? Yeah, 100%. So Impact is your kind of typical industrials mid-cap in South Africa, and like so many of those companies in South Africa, it's had a tough few years. They've had a particularly rough time with ESCOM and electricity supply and all kinds of issues. But Impact is a, is a paper and plastics business, and obviously that is then exposed to all kinds of things like citrus exports, you know, the fruit goes into cartons. It's exposed to the restaurant industry. It's exposed to all kinds of consumer-facing industries, ultimately. And in their results announcement on Tuesday before the public holiday, which was a really strong results announcement, I thought, a strong recovery from last year, but also just good stuff if you look over, you know, the last two years, uh, they confirmed that they're going to invest half a billion rand in South Africa on new sites across both the paper and the plastics businesses, which is obviously great news for the economy, for job creation, for everything along those lines. And they're also going to build out their solar power generation capacity and take it up to 10 megawatts. So, again, this shows, you know, if government can become more accommodating towards companies taking themselves off grid and a little bit less reliant on ESCOM, I think we'll, we'll start to see some more investment coming through. And obviously that creates jobs, which is great news for us as a whole. All right, sticking on the jobs theme, um, Gary, we, we saw U.S. unemployment uh, sort of uh, numbers being released, I think it was a little earlier uh, this week. Um, so the numbers were for the week ended June the 12th. The um, initial claims increased by 37,000 to 412,000, which is the first time it's actually increased in, in quite some time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, that number came out today, and it has been. You know, this, we were kind of hitting pre-pandemic lows uh, last uh, last week, um, and we picked up today. And it, it was really at those uh, against expectations as well. So uh, the market is expecting around uh, industry jobless claims coming into what 359,000. Um, you know, the previous was 375,000. So expected that kind of downward uh, trend and that improvement in the year closing markets continue. Um, and we were just wrong sources. It, it went completely that away. And uh, the actual claims number was 112,000, as you say. Um, so a little bit of weakness coming through there. Now, you know, if you look at the, the U.S. labor market, you know, we, we've got to take this in context of a third last night. But the U.S. Uh, labor market has been all sorts of disruption to the type of jobs that, that, that are being created, the type of, type of jobs that are available. But it's also just that there's a stimulus program and the stimulus checks that are going out uh, as part of the uh, fiscal uh, monetary policy, at least, uh, at least part of the fiscal stimulus plan. Um, this 
uh, essentially creating an incentive for Americans not to work in it. And companies are finding it difficult to, to really pull people back into the labor market, which, mm. which I find fascinating. Um, yeah, so, so it's yeah, a bit of an anomaly of the number, but, but I, think, I think totally overshadowed by the third Yeah, I, I, it's been interesting. I mean, you mentioned it's hard for companies in the U.S. to you know, find people to hire, right? Um, what's interesting is that you've, you see, you know, restaurants offering, uh, you know, free iPhone if you st- stick around for 12 months after you've taken the job and we'll give you a $1,000 signing bonus and that type of stuff. I mean, is this a result of, I guess, all the, the stimulus that's been taking place and the COVID relief checks that people get in the mail that it almost pays better to be unemployed at this stage than it does to have a job? Yeah, absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of people are putting it down to that. But I think you've also got to remember that the U.S. labor market is yeah, in a very unique position. So, you know, any, any labor market has a frictional, a frictional, un- there's a frictional unemployment rate. It's just that rate of unemployment that you don't expect it to get below because the people are naturally changing jobs. It's just say, one of those things. Now, um, before the, the pandemic hit, uh, the U.S. U.S. unemployment rate was getting to levels, uh, I mean, you were below 4% uh, unemployment mm-hmm. rate. Up, up until then, it was, you know, kind of didn't even believe that, that frictional unemployment could get that low. Um, and we were seeing all the, you know, we were seeing a market in which, you know, you have to incentivize people to work. It was very, very difficult. There were stories out of Texas where they were literally trying to pull uh, you know, people out of restaurants, like waiters, to come and, uh, you know, train and work on oil works because they just didn't have the, 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 uh, the people available to to prefer to fill the, the job roles. Now, the, the worry when you have a, a labor market that's as tight as this, and you're 100% right, the stimulus checks are, are exacerbating the problem. We're not at those kind of what were previously fictional levels that we saw pre, pre-pandemic. But, but when you've got a labor market that is as tight as this, it, it does bleed inflation. Eventually, you've got to offer people more money, whether it's higher iPhones and sign-on bonuses, but eventually wages will start to increase. And then wages start to increase, suddenly you get real inflation coming through the system. This, this won't be the transitory inflation that we had um, Jay Powell talking about last night, where it's, uh, you know, the second-hand car prices or, you know, lumber prices that will correct when supply chains get back to normal. This is real wages that are, that are having to increase people with more spending power that will, will pay pay more and have more, more uh, buying power and, and that kind of cycle will continue through the economy and you will get a more sustained uh, uptick in, in the general price level. And I think that that really is what the, the concern for markets are, are at the moment. Now the Fed is saying that their base case is still that evidence is trying to treat, but you do get the sense that there's a little bit of backtracking in the last night's meeting and that we might, you know, due to these higher, higher wage prices, um, have inflation that is going to be a little bit more robust than we've seen probably in the last decade. All right, and I guess sticking with the U.S. Uh, theme for now, Gary, the um, the FOMC last night. I mean, this morning it was all all the news, all, you know, so the headlines that I saw was the Fed blinks, the Fed blinks, the Fed blinks. But I mean, did they really? No interest rate hike uh, for at least another two years. Asset purchases stay solid at I think it's 120 billion dollars a month. Um, I mean, how far how far do we go down the road before we start seeing tapering? It's a good question. So, you know, you always have to look at the dot plots that they, they come out with. Uh, and I mean, you know, it's obviously the, the expectations of all of those contributors uh, and where they think uh, the, the interest rates are going to be uh, over the next uh, couple of years. And yeah, it, it wasn't surprised. I mean, it moved, it moved the expectations forward uh, significantly. You know, two, two potential uh, 25 basis point increases by the end of 2023 um, is, is a big acceleration of the timetable. Now, remember, you, you're talking about the, the tapering. Um, you've now got to get the tapering done and you've got to start hiking interest rates in, in a much shorter period of time. 
time where you've got uh, yeah, and that and that that kind of contracted timeline is, is I think what's spooking markets now. You know, up until this point, the, the attitude has been you know we're not even as you say we're not even thinking about thinking about uh, yeah. hiking interest rates. Last, last night, I, I think he actually mixed it up and he said talking about talking about, and he said this is the meeting that we're talking about talking about it. So, so we definitely the sense that we have um, have a said that is you know has been very unconcerned about inflation, a little bit more concerned now, and, and certainly the. The, the, the timeline of, of uh, tightening monetary policy in the U.S. has has come forward. Uh, that's obviously why we've got markets uh, a little bit in the back foot. We've got the, the resurgent dollar. Why we've got uh, you know the dollar gold price falling just because it's on dollar. Why we've got the rand uh, solidly about forty rand uh, to the dollar uh, in the currency market. Okay, so I guess there's a lot. Uh, I, I think what we are seeing though is at least very clear communication. Like you know, we are going to let you know when we start thinking about this kind of stuff. Um, it's a very sort of weird way to communicate with the market, I think, but at least what they're doing or trying to do from my perspective is that they're trying to give us ample warning so that we don't see another taper tantrum type scenario that, as we did last time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, if you, you know, if you watch the, the FMC, uh, you know, Q&A after, after the release, you know, when, when you have a, a Fed minutes release, you know, it, it, there's a very specific language in, in those statements. Remember, you know, the, the federal funds rate, you know, changing the federal funds rate and changing the monetary policy in, in the U.S. You know, has widespread ramifications for the entire globe. It, 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 you know, interest rates are, are input to so many ways of understanding where the value in financial markets come from. It's how we create our risk-free rates. It's, you know, there's so much that goes into it. It's so incredibly important that that language is so specific in that statement. Mm. Um, but, you know, a small tweak, uh, you know, changes, you know, massively changes expectations and obviously markets are built on expectations. But, um, but yeah, you know, you get a sense when you listen to that Q&A, you listen to Jerome Powell, you, you just get the, the sense that, you know, they, they are there standing ready to support markets when necessary. They, they are the most responsible people that can possibly be in charge of this. Despite, as you said, you know, the kind of uh, Wall Street rhetoric that we hear all day, you know, that the Fed is making the wrong decision. The Fed hasn't uh, taken into account the uh, the speed at which inflation is going to take place. And, you know, there's all sorts of criticism. But when you actually look at it, they're looking at the, basically the same data that we have available. And, and are having to make very, very difficult decisions. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a sense of backtracking slightly, but there is, as you said, there's this very calming attitude that you get when you listen to the Q&A around, uh, around uh, how they're handling the situation. I mean, it is, let's face it, it is an unprecedented situation that we've gone through in the, in the last uh, year and a half. Um, and, you know, monetary policy can only go so far when you have, uh, you, you know, a, what is essentially a healthcare shock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I want to just uh, quickly move on. Sorry, we're running out of a bit of time. Uh, so I want to just, uh, you know, sort of talking about a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel as such. Um, Mr. Ghosty, I see that Consul has reversed his decision, it seems at least. Uh, when the first lockdown came with the with alcohol ban and all that kind of stuff, they said, well, look, we had this 1.5 billion rand investment we want to make in South Africa, but we're not doing it anymore. And now they've turned around and said that, they're, no, they're doing it. Or at least certainly considering that. And it all goes back to this new stance that government seems to be taking where they're not so quick to ban alcohol. And unfortunately, it's this horrible trade-off that everyone in the country is having to make at the moment between jobs and lives. And there's no winner uh, in that situation. There's really only losers on, on both sides. But obviously, companies must carry on doing what they do, which is grow and try and create jobs and generate profits. And so in response to increases in demand, 
for bottles again that alcohol is obviously sold in, uh, Consol is looking at putting that uh, investment back on the table. So that's three times the size of the number that Impact is talking about. And remember, Consol is a private company. They did try to come to market, as I recall, a few years ago and didn't give much love from the market to um, deal with that private equity structure. But it just shows how big some of these private companies are and the impact, you know, if you'll excuse the pun, they can have in uh, a South African market and create jobs when things are actually a little bit more business friendly. So it's a really difficult trade-off that has to get made all the time. All right. Well, I mean, at least it is a little bit of good news for us, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, a solid, um, you know, two billion rands worth of additional investment coming into South Africa, and that's hopefully going to going to turn some of the tide of the unemployment in this case. But in any case, uh, we are unfortunately out of time. Thank you very much for for joining me this evening, guys. Um, I really appreciate the insights. That was Gary Boyson, Portfolio Manager uh, at Rand Swiss, and the Finance Ghost of thefinanceghost.com, who's also the Managing Editor of Insconnect.